Monday, February the 28th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, catch up, Putin's nuclear escalation and ruble crashes. First, the world in brief. President Vladimir Putin ordered his nuclear forces to be put on, quote, special alert, the highest level of readiness for Russia's nuclear deterrent. Mr Putin said this was in response to, quote, aggressive statements from NATO countries. The American government called the move, quote, yet another escalatory and totally unnecessary step. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg called Mr Putin's threats, quote, dangerous rhetoric. Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, announced that Ukrainian and Russian delegations would meet for talks on his country's border with Belarus. Mr Zelensky, who had previously rejected the idea of negotiations, shifted his stance following a telephone call with President Alexander Lukashenko of Belarus. The timing of talks is unclear, but would be held, quote, without preconditions, said Mr Zelensky. Josep Borrell, the European Union's foreign affairs chief, said members of the bloc would supply Ukraine with fighter jets. Meanwhile, Ursula von der Leyen, the European Commission's president, wants Ukraine eventually to join the EU. Quote, over time, they belong to us, she said. European interior ministers also seem to agree to activate the EU's temporary protection directive, allowing Ukrainian refugees to enter the bloc without seeking asylum through normal processes. The move would mark the first time the legal directive has been used since its creation after the Balkan Wars in the 1990s. The ruble fell by about 40% when trading began on Monday to a historic low against the dollar. Long queues of Russians for ATMs were reported. The European Central Bank said that the European subsidiaries of Russia's Spurbank were failing because of the reputational damage done to them by the war. Meanwhile, BP said it was getting rid of its 20% stake in Rosneft, Russia's state-backed oil giant. Norway's sovereign wealth fund, the world's largest, said it would divest its Russian holdings. Ukraine's interior ministry said 352 civilians have been killed and nearly 1,700 injured during Russia's invasion thus far. Ukrainian officials claimed that their forces repulsed a Russian attack on Kharkiv, Ukraine's second biggest city. The governor, Ole Sinyehabov, posted on Facebook, quote, Control over Kharkiv is completely ours. Kyiv remains under siege. A curfew is in place in the capital until Monday morning. The EU and Canada announced the closure of their airspace to Russian aircraft. America is considering a similar intervention. Aeroflot, Russia's flag carrier, was forced to cancel all flights to Europe. Canada said an Aeroflot flight had violated its airspace restrictions on Monday and it would, quote, not hesitate to take appropriate enforcement action and other measures. Turkey signalled that it would block Russian warships from entering the Black Sea through the Bosporus and Dardanelles Straits. Turkey controls them under the Montreux Convention and has the power to stop warships passing through in time of war, unless these are returning to their permanent ports in the Black Sea. 
it is a significant blow to Russia. And fact of the day, 1 million to 3 million. The number of Ukrainians who might try to leave their country in the coming weeks, according to UN agencies. And now, here's today's agenda. China's tightrope walk on Ukraine As the scale and violence of Russia's invasion of Ukraine become ever clearer, China is still trying to avoid any explicit criticism of the operation. On Friday, it abstained from voting on a UN resolution condemning Russia that Russia itself vetoed. But maintaining this stance will become trickier for China's diplomats as casualties mount and the West ratchets up economic sanctions against Russia. Bloomberg reports that at least two of China's big state-owned banks are restricting financing for purchases of Russian commodities. This suggests concern about repercussions for their business, should they be deemed to be undermining sanctions. It is unclear how much China knew in advance about Russia's plans and how prepared it was for the diplomatic fallout. The New York Times reports that America presented Chinese officials with intelligence on Russia's troop buildup before the invasion, but were rebuffed. Even if China was surprised, however, it will not show public irritation with Russia's president, Vladimir Putin. Isolating Russia's Central Bank Western sanctions on Russia have tended to be long on macho rhetoric and short on impact. But new measures targeting Russia's financial system, and in particular its central bank, are brutal. It holds $630 billion of foreign reserves, equivalent to 38% of Russia's GDP in 2021. Although Russia has shifted the composition of its reserves away from dollars, it is likely that the majority of its holdings are held with financial institutions, or in jurisdictions, that will enforce Western sanctions. That means some, or even much, of Russia's national war chest can be frozen. If the central bank does not have instant access to the reserves, it will be hard for it to intervene in the currency market or to offer foreign currency liquidity to banks. That all points to an intensifying panic in Russia's financial system. If there is capital flight, without access to its reserves, the bank could be forced to introduce tight capital controls to prevent a collapse of the currency. Germany's security policy U-turn For decades, Germany, under American protection, has shied away from military operations and neglected its armed forces. Donald Trump only managed to persuade a reluctant Angela Merkel into spending the 2% of GDP on defence required of NATO members by 2031. But Russia's president, Vladimir Putin, has succeeded in bringing that date forward considerably, and more. On Sunday, Olaf Scholz, Mrs Merkel's successor as Chancellor, performed an astonishing about-face. He told the Bundestag that Germany will raise military spending above the 2% threshold, quote, from now on, and even proposed putting the figure in the constitution. He will put 100 billion euros, 113 billion dollars this year into a special fund to modernise the armed forces. 
and he will send defensive weapons to Ukraine. He also vowed to boost Germany's presence in NATO countries in Eastern Europe. Just a few days ago, Germany appeared loath to halt Nord Stream 2, a gas pipeline from Russia. That changed when Russia invaded Ukraine. Mr Putin's war, said Mr Schultz, had, quote, created a new reality. And how? A new report on climate change. On Monday, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, a UN-backed body which collates scientific opinion on climate change, will release the most comprehensive assessment ever of the consequences of a warming world. The IPCC's previous such report was released in 2014. In the intervening years, there have been significant advances in understanding how human activity influences the climate. What's more, the impact of climate change has itself increased, meaning more direct observation of, for example, extreme weather events. The combination of improved science and bitter experience means that humanity now has a better idea of what lies in store and how current attempts to adapt are faring. All of which will probably make for bleak reading. At COP26, the UN Climate Summit held in November, aggrieved leaders made it clear that a great many countries are already suffering from global warming. As yet, the world is still doing too little about it. Roadblocks to India's economic recovery Last year, India's government said the country was on track to have the quote, fastest growing economy in the world. Such optimism may be premature. Growth rates of 20.1% and 8.4% in the first two quarters of the 2021-2022 financial year were flattered by comparison periods at the start of the pandemic. The release today of GDP data for the quarter ending in December 2021 is likely to show growth slowing to around 6%, compared with the same period a year earlier, when COVID-19 was less rampant. Growth could slow even further in the quarter that is now underway. Omicron-related restrictions introduced in January hit economic activity. The war in Ukraine could be an even bigger dampener. As a big importer of oil, India is sensitive to its price, which has surged. According to one estimate, a 10% increase in the crude oil price could cut GDP growth rates by 0.2 percentage points. Inflation, already bubbling, could also soar. Daily Quiz You know the drill by now. Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give all five answers and tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 5pm GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Monday. Which American composer was responsible for such notable movie themes as The Magnificent Seven and The Great Escape? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Paul Krugman, who was born on this day in 1953. 
Politics determines who has the power, not who has the truth. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app, or by asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening. 